Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the Art of Touring podcast. This is an interview-style podcast where I talk with musicians, performers, and sometimes even wrestlers. I am your host, the Sizz Dog. Thanks for joining me. It is a hot one in Melbourne this week. Holy moly. Apparently, it's going to be like over 30 degrees almost every day. So I hope you're finding a way to keep cool if you are in Melbourne, if you're another part of the country or another part of the world even. I hope you are comfortable wherever you are. Um, what else is happening with me? Uh, let's give you an update on the car situation. If you are a regular listener of the podcast, you would know that I smashed into my neighbor's car last weekend. So I, uh, I dropped the Sizzdog mobile off at the smash repair place this morning and they said, not too bad, mate. Should be back by Thursday. So good news there. I went off to the uh, higher car place um, and they gave me this little Nissan Pulsar. Uh, what a piece of junk, man. No Bluetooth. What's going on? I had to listen to my podcasts through the speaker on my phone. What is this? 2005? First world problems. Oh, my God. I also spent way too much on action figures this week. If anyone follows me on the Instagram, not the Art of Touring Instagram, I'm talking about my personal one now, Sis underscore dog, I believe is the handle. I might be getting that wrong, but just search for Sis dog. I'm sure you'll find me. I posted a story last night about my recent figure wins. I got a bunch of WWE figures, Star Wars, Ghostbusters. So if you're into that stuff, go check out my story. Those figures are pretty, pretty, pretty good. I'm blaming Zack Ryder. And the, and the major wrestling figure podcast for my recent figure addiction. All right. This week on my podcast, I got to chat with Brad Ma from Massive. Brad and I had a fantastic chat. Um, and he reveals a hilarious story about how he and his bandmates accidentally, underline that, accidentally <laughs> set fire to their video clip set. So stick around for that one. It is a hilarious story. Art of Turing is brought to you every single Tuesday. You can listen to Art of Turing on iTunes. That's the uh, most popular, I believe, to listen to podcasts is through iTunes. However, if you're on that Google train, hit up Google Podcasts on your Android device and uh, listen via that medium. And remember, Art of Turing is a part of the A Lot of Green Podcast Network. You can check out all their other awesome podcasts on their network at www.alotofgreen.com.au. There is some coarse language in this week's episode, so if you are listening with kids, it might be a good idea to throw on Barbie Princess Power, and then once they're dropped off at the beach with the in-laws, throw Art of Turing back on. Now let's take a moment for this week's sponsor. Episode 39 of Art of Touring is brought to you by Globo Gym. Are you looking for a gym to better yourself? Then come to Globo Gym. Our founder and owner, White Goodman, W-H-I-T E, is the best fitness instructor out there. And if you want a suffocated kumquat grab, just ask. Just make sure you knock if you have an appointment to see the boss, because you never know when he'll be engaging in his private reflection period. Tired of the same old you? Tired of being out of shape and out of luck with the opposite sex? Tired of being overweight and underattractive? Yeah! Oh, hello. I'm White Goodman. Owner, operator, and founder of Globo Gym America Corp. 
and I'm here to tell you that you don't have to be stuck with what you got. Hey, Rory, looking good. Here at Globo Gym, we understand that ugliness and fatness are genetic disorders, much like baldness or necrophilia. And it's only your fault if you don't hate yourself enough to do something about it. And that's where we come in. <laughs> Globo Gym employs a highly trained, quasi-cultural staff of personal alteration specialists. And with our competitively priced on-site cosmetic surgery, we can turn that Frankenstein you see in the mirror every morning into a Frankenstein. Of course, you'll still be you in a legal sense, but think of it as a thinner, more attractive, better you than you could ever become without us. How do I know? Well, I'm not only the founder of Globo Gym, I'm also a client. That's me six years and 600 pounds ago, before I knew how much I hated myself. Because here at Globo Gym, we're better than you. And we know it. Just so you know, Art of Touring is hosted by Wooshka. If you'd like to listen on the desktop, you can just Google Art of Touring and follow the links to the Wooshka homepage. Now, before I get into my conversation with Brad, I'd like to share with you some of his music. This is a track by Massive called Long Time Coming, their brand new single, which dropped this week. So if you like what you hear, you can go out and check out the video clip right now on YouTube. Here's a taste of it. Here we go. There we go. There's a little taste of Massive and Brad Ma behind the mic. Now let's get stuck into my conversation with him. And I'll catch you at the end for some concluding remarks. Welcome, everybody. You are listening to the Art of Turing podcast. I am your host, the Sizz Dog, and we are sitting in actually quite a cool night here in Epping. It's still January 2019 while we record this. And across from me this evening uh, is Mr. Brad Ma. How are you, Brad? I'm doing fantastic, mate. How are you going? I'm, I'm good. That's yeah, all right. <laughs> I'm pretty good. The kids are in bed. I'm relaxed. I've got no dramas. I'm, I'm looking forward to a nice tasty steak after this. Oh, living the dream, man. Living the dream, man. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah, Brad, dude, it's been a while. I haven't seen you in, um, 
Well, probably a number of years, I would say. I would, I would say the last time we played a gig together would have been at least three or three or four years ago. Man. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if you know, I live in Germany now, so this is uh, mm. it's, uh, it's a fair bit away from Epping. But um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm here for the for the summer, and and why not come in and hang out in the uh, in the man caves and have a chat? It's why good. not, man? Why not? Well, I I start off every episode with the same question, and that is, where are you from, and and where did you grow up? I actually grew up right around here. Mm. Uh, my my family's home is about. 10 minute walk up the road you mm-hmm. know it's not too far um and uh that's where i was from i as i said i live in germany now and uh you yeah. know do the rock and roll thing over there which is which is good you know they have a have a pretty good scene of rock and roll over there and uh yeah that pretty an- that answers your question doesn't it did i miss anything <laughs> oh well i mean so south morang or epping is that i was i was epping um okay yeah, I've I've just uh, near Lindara. I'm just up the road. Yeah, so. right on. Yeah, just on High Street, mate. So, well, and where'd you go to school? I was at a Laylor North. Laylor North. Yeah. Were you always in this area? No, I moved here from um, research. Oh right. So I grew up in Greensboro. And then my parents, when I was eight, we moved to research. We're still all northern suburbs, mate. All exactly, <laughs> yeah. And then, see, I moved 20 minutes up the road to um, to Epping, yeah, eventually. There um, you go. Yeah, so Laylor North, was that secondary or primary? I went to Laylor East Primary and then Laylor North Secondary. Yeah, so, right on. Yeah. And are there any musicians in your family? No, not really. No. I've, got a, I've got a famous last name, Ma, Johnny yeah. Ma, but it's no relation. No, um, <laughs> uh, no it, was, it was, you know, I, I learnt music in high school and... You know, it, when you do it in high school, your your closest mates become your band. Your you, your mate who can't play guitar ends up on bass and stuff like that. And <laughs> and you know, we sucked and all that. And that's just how I got into music. Was just yeah, right. in year seven did the music class. And and you know, I got half good at it, so I kept doing it. Really, that was so. Ill. Any brothers or sisters or anything? like I got that? a sister, yeah. um, younger sister, but yeah, she's not musical. Not at all. Not at all. And your mum and dad, they weren't into it either. No, it was just yeah, something I picked up after. After not genetically, yeah, yeah. right. Uh, during school, you like just kind of you gravitated naturally towards. Music. Yeah, I mean, I, I always liked music. I, I was in a choir when I was younger. I was in the Australian Youth Choir. So oh yeah, yeah. Sang at the '96 Grand Final, AFL oh, Grand yeah. Final. Yeah, I was on the ground. Yeah, right. One of the hundred people out there. Yeah. So I've always done it, but uh, yeah, you know, when I decided I to marry rock and roll was in high school for sure. Because I interviewed Danny Slederio from yeah, right. um, Ablaze, um, which I can see you're wearing a shirt tonight, <laughs> um, and he also performed at the um, grand final. I'm not sure if it was 1996, but this will answer my question. Was Muhammad Ali there the night that you, the day that you performed? I don't think in one he of the cars? was. I don't think he was. Maybe. I can't remember no, very much. Because he remembers young. actually meeting Muhammad Ali. Yeah, right. Maybe not on my one because I remember, like, as I said, I was pretty young. I was probably about 12 or 13, I think, yeah, something like that. Yeah, and yeah. Um, it was a youth choir. But I remember after our part, we sang Advanced Australia Fair. We sang yeah. Still Call Australia Home and Up There, Kazali, all the classics. And then I remember we didn't even get to watch the grand final. We got ushered out. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ushered out of the ground. We could, um, we got to, after the, the opening belt siren went, we got mm. to watch from the from the underground car park up the ramp, and then it was, all right, on your bike, get out of here. See you later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Thanks, thanks for singing. See you later. Well, I guess, yeah, all the tickets are gone and the entertainment, unless you're like, you know. Oh, I suppose if we were Jimmy Barnes. Barnesy, yeah. You'd get a ticket. Have, but... We could have given a, a complimentary ticket to Barnsey, but not to the little guys and girls having to sing the yeah. national anthem. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guys. <laughs> oh, that's a shame, man. But the only, the only comparable story that I remember is um, there was this one um, month, 
it may have been for May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. Yep. I'm a you know, big Star Wars nerd, and I have a, a, um, a screen-accurate Stormtrooper costume where um, I go out in you know public uh, appearances in the costume. And one, one month um, for the AFL, we, we got booked to do a whole bunch of um, footy games. Yeah, right. <laughs> and we would go out onto the, you know, the ground with Vader and all the troopers and like just, yeah, just kind of appear like at the start of the start of the <laughs> how random the game yeah and then yeah we didn't get to watch the watch the matches we were ushered off as well <laughs> so it must be something that um yeah the AFL they don't like giving the, uh, the old big the business model you know yeah exactly no freebies here mate <laughs> yeah that's it man far out and so you're singing in primary school you go to high school um and you start playing in bands in high school when did you um start playing guitar as well as singing um, year seven, I started learning guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, just got my first acoustic from my pop. We, you know, bought it for my birthday, and then obviously school lessons and whatever. Yeah. Um, I think I was actually a bass player at the start, just yeah. because again, you know, the worst guitarist ends up on bass, and <laughs> I was, you know, I was a school bass player for three or four years, and then, sure. you know, it just sooner or later, I just picked up the, you know, the electric, and yeah. I think in year ten, I think we started our first band just with. A couple of mates. Yeah. We, we were no good. We didn't record. We didn't. We didn't play gigs. We were. We were strictly a high school band. We Just, won a battle of the bands yeah, at school yeah. and yeah. won four hours recording time. And we. Yeah, that's the. Uh, that's the. Someone's coming to get us. Yeah, I'm not sure if you can hear it out of listeners. Uh, out of listeners. Out of touring listeners. But there is a helicopter hovering over Epping as we yeah. speak. Probably the biggest news in Epping for the week. I mean, <laughs> for the month, you, for you, the year, mate. You've been here <laughs> as long as I have, mate. They're not usually. Oh, we get a lot of planes coming over. Yeah, yeah. This of course, area. we're right in the airport. Yeah. yeah, right near the airport. But um, they must be looking for someone. Um, and so, what was the name of that band that you were in at high school that so was doing the Battle of Bands at thing? First, we were called uh, Sustained Anthem. Yes. And then uh, we kind of evolved. We 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 got serious, you know. We fired the we fired the guitarist who wasn't very good. And, ah. uh, you know, it's time to become a real band. We called it Misty Fizz. Misty Fizz. <laughs> Misty Fizz. We named it after a boat named Misty Fizz, and we're like, yeah, yeah, right. And then we that's when we started getting serious. We did a few gigs. We, yes. We um we we record. I went to that's when I went to university to to do music. Mm-hmm. So we we used up all the free recording time there, and yeah. You know, we we were still young. We didn't know what we were doing, but we we got good enough to start playing gigs. And yeah, we I think we even supported um, the Butterfly Effect once. And oh, nice! We just supported Shannon Noll once. It was it was a yeah. it was the biggest thing we'd ever done in our lives. But mm. yeah, we were still very young and very crap. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you have to start somewhere, man. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? You know, I mean, we, we, we weren't no doing one it. Just ends up being amazing after two rehearsals. We weren't it? doing it for start, and we were doing it because it was yeah. a fun thing to do with your mates, you know. And that's mm. that's how music should be always. Whether Most you're definitely. whether you're doing it as a job or whether you're doing it as for fun, it's your mates. You get out there and you make music. So yeah, that's yeah. right, man. Yeah. And where were you going to university? Uh, I went to Vic Uni out in Sunbury, mm-hmm. um, and did music production. Learn how oh, to yeah. learn how to touch all of these little knobs here and stuff like that. Yeah, right on. Did it for probably two years after uni, um, and then. You know, I hated being a live sound engineer. It was yeah. it was depressing. You know, you would go to gigs every night. I was I was did it for a full time job for about a year. Yeah, and you know, four or five nights a week, standing watching other bands. I'm like, that's not me. I want to be on the stage. On the I want stage. to be doing this myself. You know? Yeah, yeah. So I kind of almost boycotted it and stopped stopped doing it, even though I could do it for money. I just yeah, right. decided not to not to pursue not that to anymore. hassle myself and get out there and actually play music for a change. So. Yeah, right. 
Oh, that's admirable, man. I mean, I can only imagine what it would have been like, like four um, or five nights a week watching all of the bands, knowing that you've got this desire inside you to actually, you know, be up there performing instead of, you know, twiddling on the knobs, um, as they say. Mm -hmm. Uh, What venues were you working at at the time? It was all the crappy ones, mate. It was all the totes and the art house back in the day. Yeah, yeah. You know, the barley corn I'd get called in there Mm. and the Espy front bar and basement. It was... um, You were everywhere. Just, yeah, wherever you would... I had a few bands that I'd book... That would book me for every gig and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. It was... It was almost soul destroying because the good bands. I'd go and watch the, you know, obviously mix the good bands and mm. be like, I want to do that. And then other nights I'd get stuck doing horrible bands and go, sure. What am I doing here? You know, yeah, right. I don't want to be here at all. So either way, I was kind of like, This isn't me, sort of thing. So yeah, I actually interviewed um, Red uh, Red Rover yeah, Rodriguez yeah. from um, cool. Cherry Bar, who who did the sound there for a long time, and he tells he told a similar story about um, how he. Was in bands for years, but then, you know, did the sound thing and then eventually was like, you know, when I find the right people, I want to get back on the scene and now he, that's what he does. I don't think he does. I think he still does sound a little bit, but he's obviously still, you know, doing the band thing yeah. as well. You know, I mean, so. it's, it's a good job. I mean, if you mm. if, if you don't have that aspiration to go out and play and tour and stuff, yeah, then it's still, yeah. you're still part of the music industry. And ha- had I not wanted to be on the stage so much it would have been a perfectly good job for the probably the rest of my life kind of yeah, thing I was, yeah, I was doing yeah. quite good at it but got those contacts early. Yeah. yeah and it's just yeah I just couldn't force myself to I, I wasn't enjoying music by by doing sound you know mm. I was kind of losing the love for it so oh there you go you made the right good, choice good to get then, out man. while I was still you know still fresh at it yeah. yeah and so was that during the same time you were in Misty Fizz yeah yeah I was, I was Misty Fizz one night a week and, and yep. a sound engineer the rest of the time so yeah right hmm um, and did you say that you actually did some recordings with Misty Fizz as well? Yeah, we did. We 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 did a couple at the studio, at, like yeah. at the at the university. As I said, the free time that you get in the studio and and whatever. And I, you know, I I used it to to do my own band, but we mm-hmm. weren't we weren't savvy enough to do anything with it. We we burnt copies and sold them that way, and oh, yeah, we didn't yeah. have the business smarts to do anything with it. So sure, yeah, there's still recordings out there somewhere. They're they're probably not the greatest now. Listening back, you know because we weren't very good musicians back then, so we were yeah, still right. learning our craft. But, yeah, it's, yeah, it was what it was. It was good. Do you still know those guys? Yeah, I still know them. Um, yeah. They're all over the place now. Um, most of the, None of them actually play music anymore. No, uh, no, the, yeah. the old drummer does you know some wedding gigs and stuff like that, but right. not really into it. Yeah, yeah. And the rest have just gone on with life, so... You there know, you go. It happens. <laughs> and so what was next after Misty Fizz? Uh, so Misty Fizz ended probably when I was twenty, twenty one, and um, yeah. I, I started my first real band um, called Fast Track, mm-hmm. um, which is ten years old uh, this week. Right, um, and we're doing we're doing a reunion show in a couple of weeks' time. Oh, great! Just uh, just for fun. Um, yeah, it, it was it was a good band. We you know we we were serious, and it was the we went out and spent some money on the band. We recorded properly, and, and yeah. it was good. But it was. Again, we were probably still too young to to have these dreams of being touring rock stars. We were, sure, yeah. We were throwing everything at it without any clue what we were doing. So yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, if you you got to th- throw the pasta onto the fridge to see if it sticks. Absolutely, if it doesn't stick, then it's not ready yet. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> exactly <laughs> so, right. I mean, it doesn't matter. You just keep throwing the pasta on the on the fridge until it sticks, and then you know you find what works. Yeah, but that um, was that was the time where. We we became 
musicians like this hair grew then i had short hair before that i was wearing billabong t-shirts from you know the local you know surf shop i had no idea about music you know yeah yeah i I didn't even have a proper cd collection i had you know the gun like the the guns and roses and acdcs but then i when when fast track started that's when i went out and found you know the other the other bands that you know were inspired you know guns and roses and acdc were inspired by yeah sure the rest of them so yeah right on yeah um and so this is marks the 10th year that from when fast track started yep um how long was fast track a band for though we're only a band for three years okay um we we did we did two eps and we we toured a lot we we did a whole of australia we went around um as i said we weren't we weren't anywhere near ready but we we were young and ambitious and you know got Just out there and booked the shows and booked the shows went out and played to 20 people like everyone else does and yeah and you know hoped for the best sort of thing yeah but yeah. it was it was you know it was a real kind of time where it was like this is what we're going to do like yeah right this is what we're going to do this is this is us you know mm. you know and then <laughs> and then same thing you know after three years it's like oh it's not going very far let's let's kind of just end it yeah, right. And so, was there any of the guys from Misty Fizz in Fast Track, or was it a brand uh, new band? No, it was a brand new band. Yeah, and how a, did you pull the the guys together? Uh, well, it was it was pretty pretty kind of scattered, to be honest. We, um, I used to do a sound for one of the uh, a band called Misfire, just mm-hmm. another local band. Yeah, and uh, the drummer and the bass player came from that. We started sort of thing. So, and we just yeah. got a guitarist from Mel Band. So, oh yeah, the, the old good old Mel, Mel, Mel Band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still going, is it? Jeez. Um, but I think it's kind of been taken over by all the Facebook groups, you know, bands looking for musos, musos looking yeah, for bands. It was good while it lasted. It was yeah, a, that's it was, it. A, it was a good thing. Yeah, I think um, a f- couple of the incarnations of the pass outs I got, you know, musos from the from Mel bands. Yeah, you know? yeah. So. Oh, look, we it was a good good little directory at the start. You yeah, know, most before, before before social media turned into the monster that it is. Exactly, it was, that's all it was, man. Yeah, exactly, yeah, that's all we had. Um, yeah, right. And so, uh, you were doing fast track for a few years, um, about three years, as you said. And, um, and then where did the story go from there? Well, well, pretty much at the end of fast track, it was like, we were, we were a serious band. Mm. We, we wanted to do this for the rest of our lives. And, and it was, it was sort of not working Mm. and, probably a little bit greedy of myself like I just went you know what I, I want to tour the world I don't want to tour Melbourne and Sydney sure I like the rest of the guys were kind of in their place they were, they were serious but they were kind of in their place this is where we're going to be this is what we're going to do and, and yeah. all I had my eyes set on was going to Europe going to America yeah right and um, so I just you know I just said maybe we should just end it and, and I, I'd already kind of you know, started the workings of a new band yeah. without having any idea. I just, you know, I'd written some songs and yeah. jammed with a few people, and it, it was it was kind of probably a little bit, you know, not am- as amicable uh, amicable as it could be. Yeah, we yeah. kind of ended a bit, you know, a bit sad because it was everyone was so invested in it, and mm. I was the one who kind of just Pulled jumped ship. On it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I mean. It, for me, it was the right time. Like we yeah. were, we were, we were throwing all our money. We were, we were pushing it too hard, mm. and we weren't ready. Um, so we were spending all our money on on flying to Perth for one gig for fifty bucks, and yeah, right. it, it was just it was insane. <laughs> we were so so ambitious and had no idea, sort of thing. So yeah. it was just yeah, we it was kind of all right. 
this is this for my part. This is my my part done. Yeah, they. I think they auditioned a few people to take over as a singer, and, and just you know, it didn't happen. So didn't happen, yeah, they all kind of moved on, and and you know, I still talk to them all. Like as I said, we're gonna we're doing a, a ten year reunion show just for fun. You yeah, know, cool. <laughs> Where's that going to be? Uh, it's at? at Northcote Social Club, actually. So. Oh, so before or after the, the well, massive as of on. recording, uh, it's on Saturday. So whatever day today is. <laughs> oh, okay. So it's the um, it's the ninth today. Yeah, so it's on the twelfth. Oh, right on, man. Well, yeah. yeah. Um. Well, that will have already passed. Yeah, I, I by assume the time. so. Mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, but I would hope this episode drops before the massive album. Yeah, launch, yeah, which for we sure, can man. Talk, Absolutely. Talk about a little bit later. Um. Yeah. Right on. And so. Oh yeah, it, I mean bands. Hey, you know, you break up. It's it's like a relation. It is a relationship. it is a relationship. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, and and you obviously you feel bad, but at the same time, like you know, I I can remember a time where I was playing in with the pass outs, and I was playing with a couple of musicians. Just wasn't working. Yeah, you know, we we decided to be a three piece at this point, and it just wasn't working. And I was like, you know what, I'm. I'm gonna to have to let you go. Yeah. I'm gonna find a new group and thank you, but it's not. It's just not happening. It, it, it's it's a shame and it's hard to do because you mm. become mates with people or you yeah. already are mates with them and it, yeah. and it can hurt friendships. But oh, big time! In the end, like you also have to look out for you. Sort That's of thing. right. And yeah. you know, at, at, by this stage, I was already married to rock and roll and I already had ideas of what what we should be doing. Mm. And it, and fast track was was. It's hard because it wasn't a means to an end. It was a mm. very good learning experience, but in the end, it was it was never going to leave Melbourne, and I, I wanted to do more than that. So yeah, right. It's kind right. of a you know I have to leave while I while I'm still friends with everyone, and and yeah, kind of you know go my own way. So so was this around the time that you were coming to the vineyard and and we met? Because I remember I yeah. was doing like the Tuesday night midnight. You know, graveyard shift. Yeah, on yeah. A <laughs> Those one AM at the great at the vineyard. Yeah, they were yeah, great with citrus and. Yeah, was that around that time? It was, or was probably that after? about probably about six or eight months after. Yeah, right. Uh, so that was eight months before. So mm. I had just started. I, I pretty much started Massive the day that I finished Fast Track. Okay. In fact, the the guitarist of Massive came to the last Fast Track gig. Yeah. Just to see what it was like and, and stuff like that. So it was kind of I was already moving on. Um. So when I was doing the vineyard things, you know, with you and Citrus and all of that, that was yeah. the start of Massive. We'd already kind of working out the tunes. Yeah, we'd and- started writing and and hadn't played yet, but we were there ready to go. Because mm. I remember, um, was it Jarrett? Yeah, yep. the real tall blonde drummer. Tall blonde, yep. He he was there, but he was playing guitar with you, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, he was a guitarist in, in originally. Yeah. Um, he used to be a guitarist. He used to be a piano player as well. Mm. And he actually auditioned for the for the Deep End. Remember the Deep End? Yeah, the Deep End. He, sure. Um, yeah. He he was looking for a band, and the Deep End were auditioning drummers. So he went and bought a drum kit to audition and got the gig. Right. <laughs> he was a very multi musician. That guy. Yeah. Right. Um. So he he just got the gig with the Deep End, and then yeah, and then obviously. When we started Massive, he wanted a gig and he wanted to jam, and yeah, he he joined that as well. So it was it was kind of he pulled double duties for a while, and yeah, right. But yeah, he he wasn't a drummer to start with; he was a guitarist back then. <laughs> there you go, that's mental. Because um, yeah, I do remember a night where I was um performing at the Vineyard, and you guys both came came in, and. I think you started singing like not that easy or or new with you or yeah, one of those like tunes because um, you'd bought the EP 
Um, and it just blew my mind that <laughs> someone was singing my song. Yeah, man. Because <laughs> it doesn't happen very often in Melbourne. Nah, Usually right. you just show up and everyone's got their arms crossed, you know, and it's like, oh, well, who's this wanker? You yeah. <laughs> when you guys did that, I, I was, I'll never forget that. Nah, that's right, it man. It was a really cool thing. And that was such a cool vibe. Like, I'm not sure if Citrus does that anymore. Actually, actually, um, re- this is the cool thing about the podcast. I'm reconnecting with a lot of musicians that I've known over the last 20 years of being in on the scene in Melbourne. And um, uh, he's going to come in and have a chat as well at yeah, some point awesome. as well. So it'll be good to catch up with him as, as well. That's the thing. But musicians, they might come and go and change what they do, but they're always mm. still around. You know, mm. there's people I haven't spoken to for, for 10 years or whatever, and then you know, just bump into them at a gig or whatever. And it's like, you know, it's the same thing. It's, yeah, how are you going? And, and it's like nothing's ever changed. We're, all, right, we're all still doing the same things, just in different areas. And exactly, it's man. the musician code kind of thing. You're all still mates everywhere you go. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so then you start Massive. And tell me about that. Uh, was that, again, was that like some Mel Band ca- um, contacts or was it uh, people that you'd kind of played with and stuff like that? Or how, how did the band come together, the, the very first incarnation of the band? Yeah, so I mean, we've had a few incarnations now. Mm. Um, so, uh, as I said, me and Jared started it. And mm. then um, we actually, we knew this guitarist, Ben Laguda. Um, he was just doing cover gigs and whatever. He was doing uh, with my housemate, actually. He was the guitarist for my housemate at the time. Mm. And... Um, Basically, we walked into his gig. He was—he's a phenomenal guitarist. He's a freak. He—he just—he plays lead like no one else. Yeah. And um, he's sitting there playing acoustic guitar, playing—I think it was like Black Eyed Peas or something—on acoustic <laughs> guitar, yeah. sweeping. Yeah, right. <laughs> so after the gig, we just walked up and just said, "Hey, man, do you want to like tour the world?" <laughs> and he goes, "Yeah, cool." We all it. signed up, <laughs> and we um, yeah, we just we had like we didn't even audition him. We just said play with us and he, yeah. he's like yeah cool let's do it he's, he's kind of a loose cat he doesn't you know doesn't have anything to go home to he doesn't have any belongings that he needs to you know mortgage or anything like that so sure yeah 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 it was kind of the easiest sell in the world like what are you doing for the rest of you know for the next 20 years of your life or well, nothing you know so yeah and it was good because he's ben's guitar playing is probably more massive sound than than my voice or the songwriting or, or mm. his guitar playing changes everything so yeah right you know we knew we wanted him and we didn't we didn't let him say no we just said you're joining kind of thing yeah, so it right. worked out well oh that's good and um we didn't have a bass player for a while um yeah. and ben's brother actually was the was the lead guitarist in boom crash opera at the time right um and we just asked him do you want to you know, get a downgrade and stop playing in a in a famous band and uh, play bass in a in a not famous band. Sure, goes, yeah, yeah, cool, no worries. So, Let's do it. Yeah, so pretty. Had both Lagudas at one point. We had both Lagudas, which was um, you know, I I don't know how well you know the Lagudas, mate. They're a, they're a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> they're impossible. <laughs> yeah, we had two yeah. of them. So yeah, but um, yeah, that was the first incarnation. We just yeah, there was there was no auditions. There was no kind of. Here's yeah. the songs. This is what we want to do. Yeah, let's just get into a room and jam and, and yeah, nice. make as loud, dirty rock and roll as we can, sort of. Mm, so, mm. Yeah. where did, where would you rehearse? Well, we didn't rehearse really. Um, we borrowed a friend's uh, factory mm. in, in Epping, actually, just near Thomastown, Laidlaw, oh, right. Epping area, um, at the, at the back kind of you know industrial area. Yeah, we just set up a PA in there and jammed a few times. Um, huh. But we didn't. We, we're notoriously bad at rehearsing. We we had probably two rehearsals before our first gig. Okay. So we 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 just did the old, you know, 
record something at home and send it to each other and come back with new recordings and we we didn't <laughs> do enough rehearsing and um we did a practice show we did two practice shows actually sure under a fake name and they were they were okay but yeah. we needed them as rehearsals because our first gig was the uh the SB Gershon room and we got 400 in there we we filled it wow. we we talked about it for 6 months mm. but we weren't <laughs> We weren't ready, and we we just went out there and we just turned up loud. We pulled it off. It was all right, but yeah. we hadn't rehearsed. We we were hardly a band. We were more just a bunch of guys who would go out and get drunk. So yeah, right. It was it was somehow it worked. Dude, yeah, that's that would scare the shit out of me. I would want to be. I would. I would want to have the bodies in the room and and rehearsing a. a a show before yeah well performing and, the until then song. i was a stickler for rehearsal i was i was a time nazi i was like you have to be here you have to do this mm. and then it was just the the chemistry of the band you know these guys have been doing it for years they, yeah. they don't need to rehearse because they do it for a living kind of thing and it's like yeah but this is a new band you know this is new music we've never rehearsed before because yeah we haven't written it yet and their their mentality was you know we'll wing it we'll make it good on the night <laughs> it was it was scary and i had to learn to live with it because that's who the lagudas were and that's yeah, how they right. that's how they rolled and yeah, it, it, yeah. it did work it, it you know it came out as you know every gig for the first 15 gigs was you know guns and roses live at the ritz you know out of tune over over loud too fast yeah messy but awesome as well like it was just ah. a huge party it was yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and so how long until like that change and kind of you flip the switch and now you're like a tight unit because you listen to the recordings and they're all like super tight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we would we wouldn't say we weren't tight. We were tight. It's just we weren't prepared. You know, there yeah. was you know the the gig fitness where you you know if you hear something and you want to extend a part, you can all look at each other and go, "We're extending a part." You know, yeah. we had none of that. And, right. Yeah. 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 And we were all good at our instruments and we're all we're all good musicians, so we got away with it most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of like a cover band. It was a very cover band mentality. Yeah. And the you know as I said, the two Lagudas were cover artists, like cover band guys. Yeah. They, they made a living off playing covers. So that's. That's bizarre. It man. is, isn't it? Because it's not, not the the not the traditional way to start a band. Absolutely sure. not. And it's, no. it's funny because, like, you you know, when you're doing a cover, when you when you're playing cover gigs, mm. you, you can wing it because you know the song. You don't. Oh, you might. Yeah, you yeah. might never have played the song, but you know where the song's about to go. If you're sure. good enough at music, you can hear it. Yeah. But we were just going in there and just you know on the edge every gig, just hoping for the best, and yeah, right. we got through it. I mean, it it got better due to the fact we were playing. Sort of yeah, thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, we'd we'd done a dozen gigs and we were tight because of the dozen gigs, not because of the nice. six months of practice. Yeah, good on you, man. That's cool. Mm. And so after that initial show, um, did you? Uh, yeah, when was the first recording that you that you did with those guys? Well, here's the thing: we actually went the opposite way. We'd finished the album by the second show. <laughs> right. We'd actually finished um, three songs. We did one by uh, the first single, one by one. Yeah, I remember that song. Was uh, was recorded before our first gig, so we did yeah. three songs, um, and then the other eight for the album after a couple of gigs. Okay. So we didn't. We 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 knew what we wanted to do. We wanted to tour the world, um, and we knew we needed an album. So sure. we we'd already we'd already sucked in other bands. We didn't care about sucking and playing on a Tuesday night. We wanted to play on Saturday nights and we wanted to then go overseas. So Right, right. We did everything backwards. Yeah. But we'd already had that experience of, you know, of 
doing the other stuff in other bands. So yeah, you know. yeah. And so, what was the first tour like? First tour was actually really good. We did um, it was called Miss Inc. Um, it was a tattoo convention with rock bands and DJs and all this junk. And in Europe? No, this was Australia. Okay. So this was our like our fifth to twelfth show. Mm-hmm. Was you know a national tour: <laughs> Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide, Perth, oh, okay. Canberra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um. It was it was good. It was all paid for. It was you know we actually had a pretty good thing going on. We didn't have any fans because we yeah. were still a new band. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the shows were all packed because because of this tattoo convention. So we ah. we did six shows in in like twelve days right around the country. Wow. Flown to the gigs and and yeah, it was great. It was a good start. You know, a good way to um. Wow, that's hype cool, ourselves up. Yeah. Cool gig, man. Did they still do that gig? Uh, Miss Inc. has stopped. Um, the person who ran it ended it. Um, mm-hmm. But it went for a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, a couple of other bands did it. Delacoma and Killshot, I think, did it one oh, year. Oh, right on. It was a good little tour. Like a, yeah. for, for what it was, you go there and, and even if you have no one there to see you, you're still playing in front of 100 you know, tattooed people and <laughs> bikers and, and rock fans who've just come out for the for the tattoo convention, really. Oh, so wow. Yeah, now that is a cool thing. And so that would have been – you guys would have been just um, – you know, pinching yourselves like, oh, we've, we've just started this band and we're already getting to tour Australia um, without much, um, you know, uh, well, not that you didn't have any experience, but experience for that band, you know, getting to do that, having that opportunity quite quickly, you would have been, you would have been pretty chuffed. Yeah, yeah, of course. We, I mean, we had a goal of what we wanted to do and we were lucky to get that. Absolutely. Mm, it wasn't, mm. we weren't, you know worthy of that at that point but we we were throwing ourselves out there for that sort of stuff anyway we mm. you know we we'd had enough as i said we'd had enough sucking in other bands we wanted to tour so we just you know pitched everything and mm. as you know throw that, things at the wall and hope they stick sort of thing that's good man that's good and so after that tour um you mentioned uh, a few times that you did go to europe when was the first time that you went to europe so we went to europe in 2014 the band mm-hmm. started in 2012 yeah um but the crazy thing was, uh, straight after that tour, we were going to like launch the album, mm. and we we launched it, and we got signed to a, an independent label here on the mm-hmm. day that we launched it. So we had to pull it and then relaunch it like mm-hmm. a month later. Right. Yeah. And then we did a couple of shows. We probably did about another dozen shows, and then we got signed to Earache Records in Europe. Yes. Um. So we were only twenty gigs old. By the time yeah. we got signed to yeah. an international label, and um, it it, it kind of changed everything because <laughs> I don't want to say it didn't matter, but in the management's mind, because we got a management when we signed the independent deal, yeah, their their minds Australia didn't matter anymore. Like we're gonna save you money. Don't worry about playing gigs here. If something good comes up, we'll do it. But yeah, you're saving your money to go to Europe. Right, so, right. So 2013, we didn't really do much because we were you know we we're waiting for a tour in Europe. So. Mm. We we launched the uh, relaunched the album for the third time through the international label yes. in 2014. Yes, um, they put it on the cover of Classic Rock magazine, and that just went nuts. You know, yeah, seventy five thousand copies of the album went out within a month, sort of wow. thing. Wow! So it was huge. Like we went from zero to hero straight away. Yeah, and we were over there two months or three months later. So yeah, nice. Yeah, and so Earache Records really. Um uh, came to the party with you for you guys, didn't they? Yeah, absolutely, man. We yeah. uh, we had a we had a billboard, a forty foot billboard out the front of Heathrow Airport. Holy <laughs> it was shit. ridiculous, man. That's insane. Yeah, just our big big faces, right? Like mugs right across the front of this big billboard, right on the M4 as yeah. you get off Heathrow. So it was mental. Like we, 
you know, looking back, it was, you know, like we were doing something crazy. When we were there, we didn't even think about it. Like, yeah, yeah. this is happening. This is cool. But like going back, you go, you know, not every band gets a billboard out the front of uh, the airport. No. 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 That's <laughs> so right. It's a new thing for most bands. But um, yeah. Yeah. They put a lot of money behind it. Um, yeah. And there was, you know. A lot of hype, and we we had a you know they got us a big agency and a big you know a big PR push and sure yeah you know, got in Kerrang and got in Metal Hammer and all of that in the space of a couple of months and it was mm. it was a big hype thing and we landed and people knew who we were so it was good yeah you know? and were the shows good as well yeah we were supporting a band called The Treatment over there mm-hmm. um, and they're a pretty big deal over there like they were pulling good numbers so we were yeah. supporting them. But it was funny because there was obviously our crowd and then their crowd. Yes. We actually had a crowd at the gigs. We were expecting to rock up and no one know us. Yeah. And but there was people wearing our shirts when we got there. So Oh wow. It was it was it was good to see that and it was you know, it was serious then, like, you know, don't mess up. This is your this is your gig, you know. So Yeah, yeah. We went and did sixteen shows with them and then we did another ten or twelve shows with a, a American band called Blackberry Smoke. Mm-hmm. Um, Southern rock band, nice, and they they were bigger shows again. They were you know theaters, two thousand seat theaters, nice every night right across Europe. So yeah, yeah. And then we had a we had a twenty seven hour drive back from Stockholm to Wales. Um, twenty seven hours, yeah, yeah, across seven countries too. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, but we had we had two days to do it, so we did. You yeah, know. yeah. In Australian terms, that's just up the road, mate. Come I on. suppose so. And was that? Um like part of a bus that someone drove you or you were just in a van and you guys all took turns we, driving? We had a driver. It wasn't yeah. it wasn't one of those sleeper buses, mate. It was big. It was good. We had, yeah. you know, we had enough room. We had we had a DVD player in the van. It was good. It was, nice. a, it was, a, it was a tour bus, but it wasn't uh, didn't have beds in it, which was a shame because we kind of needed that. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, we had the 27-hour drivers to get back for Hard Rock Hell Festival. Oh, yeah, so right. So we, we did that. We were the last band on stage two. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you ever get to go to Hard Rock Hell, it's it's mental. Like, yeah, it's right. insane. Um, it sells out a year and a half in advance. Really? So next year's sold out and they've already started selling tickets for the, for the year after that. One. Yeah, And people don't even know who the artists nah, are yet. No idea. So yeah, it doesn't matter. Care, yeah. But um, they're just they're just frothing hard rock and metal over there, don't they? They do. They do. Completely it's, different culture than over here. And it's multi-gen... Like, it's generational. Like, yeah. you, you go to a gig and there's, you know, three generations of family there at the same gig, you know. Yeah, right. Rock, rock is cool if, whether you're 16, 30, or 50. It's, yeah. It's cool. That's so, a cool thing, yeah. man. Far out. Um, I was actually watching... Uh, a video clip of yours um, this afternoon. Um, I'd seen it before, but I wanted to remind myself um, before you came in today. It was a song called Destination Somewhere. Oh, yep. Um, and the clip starts off, and you guys are playing this tune. And there's these, you know, these dudes and dudettes in their in their suits and all that, and you're singing this your song to them, you know, and they they're not that impressed. And so <laughs> about halfway through the tune. You guys go full, like the Who, and just start <laughs> smashing up your instruments. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, oh, please tell me you guys just went out and bought like twenty dollar guitars and sm- oh, you didn't smash up like expensive instruments. No, no, we didn't. We didn't. No, they weren't. They weren't Gibsons or, or anything no, like yeah, that. Because they look like they we, were. We got. I got an Epiphone from Cash Converters for fifty bucks. Okay, all right, that's <laughs> it was what I all right. wanted to hear. <laughs> Covered up the Epiphone sign so you didn't know, but it was... Yeah, yeah. yeah. It still, still would have been fun. It was fun and it was still a bit, you know, painful to smash a guitar. Like, Yeah, <laughs> it's man. It's not cool. 
No, but um, because there was even the Marshall logo on the on the quad box. I'm like, is did they just grab a sticker and put it on a crappy no Marshall that, or was that an actual thing. Marshall? It was Marshall. an actual Marshall, and the Ooh. the other amp that was there is is my amp, and I didn't made sure I didn't smash it. Yeah, so all of that was kind of cinema, you know, just 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 filmed the right way, so you couldn't yeah, tell that. Yeah, you know. The amp is there, and then you see it that's on the ground, sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> at one point, you grab the headstock and you put one through yeah. the Marshall quad box. <laughs> so whose was that? That, that was that was a two hundred dollar um, old box with a blown speaker in it. it was all uh, right. Okay, sweet. sweet. <laughs> it wasn't worth it. it. Wasn't worth as much as it looks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I was watching it going, no, you know. <laughs> it, even though it was cheap instruments, it was still painful. Like yeah. we're just going, what are we doing? Wow. Was and you it don't really fun, though? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it looked like you guys had a ball doing and, and, it. And that little room that we're in, we built that inside, inside of this giant factory. Yeah, where was that? That was in, um, in just out in the western suburbs, just off the freeway. Um, okay. Off the western freeway, there's this big abandoned, uh, it's called the bread mill. Um, oh, the, the, the bread mill, yep. I know where it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you just jumped the fence and just went in there and- Yeah, the fire, the fire department came and said, pack up now. Oh, really? At nine in the morning. <gasps> and we're like- yeah, all right, cool. So we didn't, obviously. Yeah. We just started packing up till they left and moved all our cars out because our cars were all parked at that hockey field. Yeah. A little bit too close. So we just parked out on the street so they couldn't say we were there. And, and then you went back, and went back, in, and back just in and filmed just it again. Filmed it for the next eight hours. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like you, I mean, there's no power there. So. Yeah, we got a generator in and did all of that. We yeah. had lighting and everything. Well, we, yeah, you had to have gotten something, the power from somewhere. Yeah. It was oh, it was yeah. a it was a proper production, um, mm. and I don't know if you've if you've looked at this, but our second album cover, Destination Somewhere, was done mm. in the same place. Okay, and the back cover. Oh yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. all um, graffiti. Uh, and yeah, yeah, burnt out. We had to try to look like a you know Cowboys from Hell bar, but blown up. Like mm. it was just just a mess. And the back cover of that is a a, a flaming piano. Like we had this piano, we set it up in the corner, got it for free off Gumtree, and yeah, set it up. And then for some reason we just thought oh, it would be funny to set it on fire and take a picture. Yeah. And we couldn't put it out. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> <laughs> and I probably shouldn't be saying this. I'm admitting to a crime, but I've said it before and I haven't been arrested, so it's all right. And um so for a while we're taking pictures. This is yeah. awesome. Yeah. And then oh geez, it's 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 spreading and we can't put it out and we're like we're grabbing like barrels and putting them like there's a hole in the wall and flames are shooting through the hole oh man and so we're like all right let's go we just just cover up the hole so the flames don't get out the wall and into the grass yeah we just covered up we found like this big metal tin put it up against the wall and yeah and we just started like running and then the we got in the cars and left and the guitarist at the time brendan took off and then we went to the van yeah couldn't find the keys and we're like, they're in the burning building. <laughs> like, oh, no. <laughs> we run back in there. And the whole thing was on fire. Those couches, everything was on fire by this stage. The whole room was alight. Oh, my God. And we're looking for car keys in a burning building. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, we can hear the fire engines coming. Like, the sirens going. Shit. And we ran back out. And just luckily, the keys were on top of the guitarist's car. Oh, they were just sitting there. Uh, on top of it. Yes. He drove off and they were on the, on the ground. Jeez. So we just ran out. We we're about to leave the car there and just run. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we found the keys in the ground and left about minutes before the the fire engines came. Oh my god! We went back there the next day and the, the fire, the, the little bit of the grass burnt, not too much. Yeah, 
but the entire room that we were in was charcoaled. <laughs> and so those fireys went in there and put it out, and you guys. Yeah, it was all fine. You know, you were happened. out of there. <laughs> we were gone. They're probably was... thinking, fucking kids, what's going on? Here? Yeah, it probably happens there a lot. Like, it's yeah. just, you know, there's well, a lot of homeless abandoned, people. I yeah. Suppose. Yeah. Put bonfires and stuff like that. But it was just surreal. Like, Amazing that they got there so quickly. We were running through a through a burning Did you call building. Them or? No, no, God, no. We're still in a burning building. Going, so I wonder how they. Maybe someone else called. Yeah, them. it's on the side of the freeway. They probably saw the you know the smoke coming oh, up or whatever. Like, hey, someone's lit in a fire at the bread mill. Go down there. Yeah, but we were like it was dangerous. We we're running through this burning building, looking under things that are on fire for car keys. For car keys. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane. Oh my God! Well, did you? So did you take photos like? In, during the aftermath as well? Yeah, so in the booklet, uh, it was just burnt out things, and yeah. that's that's the aftermath. We just made Fantastic. it a bit artsy so you couldn't tell that we've just gone back to the scene of a crime. But um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everything that's on the cover is actually burnt in the inside of the booklet. <laughs> Far out, man. That, well, that's a, that's a very cool bookend to that um, to that story. Yeah, my goodness, you you were lucky that you yeah that it wasn't anything more serious. Yeah, we got we got away with it until yeah. we still you know until we started announcing it on podcasts. And- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right, man. The listenership isn't isn't that crazy. I've got it, you know. But, yeah. You know, you never know. Maybe um maybe one day someone will hear it. And, it's also and not the first knocking. time I've told it on a podcast either, mate. Oh, so it's out go. there. I think you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, it's a good story, man. Thanks for sharing it. No. Um, and so yeah, uh, you're doing the tours. You're doing the um, you're doing the uh, the video clips, um, and we're going back to what you were talking about with the um, with the tour, that very first tour of Europe. Um, uh, are you guys still with Earache, or you're not with them anymore? Or we were with them for two albums. Um, yeah, for that second album we were just talking about then. Mm-hmm. Um, they released that as well. Um, we had a let out clause after two albums. It was yeah. a five album deal to start. And uh, to be honest, the first album was insane. Like even just in the sales wise, we sold we sold twenty thousand copies of the first album and five thousand of the second. Yeah, right. It just didn't work with the second. And and you know whether it was the album or whether it was the video clips or whether it was the promotion or it was the label or whatever, it just didn't work. And um, yeah, you know the the two thousand sixteen tour that we did to promote that album was the tour from hell. Like everything yeah, right. that could have went wrong went wrong. And it was we we'd packed up all our stuff. We did a like a crowdfunding thing to you know save some money to get over there to get well, not just to get over there to to set up a base. We went and bought a bus. Yeah, right. With crowdfunding money and the bus lasted six gigs. Oh, really? <laughs> it died. Yeah, it was a piece of junk. It was a good van. It just had so much wrong with it that wasn't yeah wasn't disclosed and it, it was a nightmare. We oh man. As I said, everything went wrong. We we had this booking agent. We got we got forced into this major booking agency um, sure. called United Talent, who are huge. They've got everyone. They've got Guns and Roses. They've got you know Alice Cooper. They've got all these big names on their roster, and mm. then us. Hmm. So, so and we were promised the world. Like it was mm. you know this is when you're coming. You'll be doing forty headline shows. You'll be doing you know supporting Clutch and Steel Panther, and you, you're going on the road for the yeah. next six months. I'm like, cool. Yeah. And then. We land like they booked us a twenty-five show headline tour, so yeah. it already went from forty to twenty-five. Um, and you know, more money. It was through Live Nation. The promoter was Live Nation, so right. our shows are Live Nation promoted shows. And they just they they sold us for too much money. Like it, it's a funny way it works. Like you know, the booking agent will sell you to a promoter for X amount of money. Yeah, if you're not worth that, the, either the shows are going to get cancelled or you're going to piss off a lot of people. 
Oh, right. So, you know, we were getting these huge promises of all this money and, you know, these big venues and we're still selling 100 tickets. Right. And, of course, the shows got cancelled because you're playing in a thousand cap rooms. For people. And someone's offering you X amount of money Mm. and they don't want to lose their money, so it's better for them to cancel the gig. Right. So, so of the 25 gigs, how many did you end up even doing? 11. 11. <laughs> and so it went was, from 40 to 25 to 11. And not and only you that. you over there and yeah. Yeah. And not only that, the first 10 shows got cancelled. So we landed in Berlin and we didn't have a show in Germany. All the, all the German shows got cancelled. Oh, all the Scandinavian shows got cancelled. And it was like, why? We don't, we weren't, you know, industry smart enough to understand what the hell was going on like sure what's happening who, who why are they getting cancelled and they no. were getting cancelled a month in advance or getting cancelled two days before the gig jeez so we're sitting there in, and they're just refunding everyone their ticket prices well the, yeah they had re- bought tickets. yeah well they're refunding the money because it's cheaper for them to, to lose that. a couple of hundred dollars than to spend you know 1500 euros on getting us over or 2000 euros getting us over jeez man so very different experience to the first time you went absolutely like we <laughs> we were we were top of the world we were the kings when we first went and this yeah. time we're sitting there in a hotel because all our gigs have been cancelled and yeah. as i said we went out and we bought this bus <laughs> and finally we got to a gig like our first gig was in uh in amsterdam no, it wasn't in, it was in somewhere in the netherlands can't remember the the city mm. um after having 10 shows in a row get cancelled. So, yeah. we're all kind of just like, all right, finally a show. Let's just go play. Yeah. We'll play the gig. And it was all right. It was good. There was, there was enough people there. It was the the biggest selling one out of the Europe one. So, it was enough people there. And yeah. the room was huge, but it was enough. And then we drive to the UK and played two more gigs. The UK shows were good. Yeah. Um, And then, but I think it was the sixth show. Dead. Starter mode is gone. All right, cool. We had another eight shows in a row. So, we were push starting a bus. <laughs> Oh, Every night with a with a blown starter motor. Yeah. And by the time we got it to the back to the mechanic that we well to the dealership that we bought it from, mm. it also had a blown head gasket. Oh man. And we're like, we just bought this like twelve days ago. Yeah. You you gotta fix this. No, no warranty. <laughs> like, oh you got a one week warranty. You've taken too long to bring it back. And it's like Yeah, right, okay. In in good faith they fixed the head gasket because we're like, that's not wear and tear. Like that's gone like we didn't do that (laughs) yeah yeah that would have been a fault before you got it yeah so they fixed that and it was just a nightmare it blew again about a week later oh man it it lasted we got through the tour we spent about another two or three thousand euros pounds fixing it just trying to get it so you can keep going yeah and and you know we there was yeah like the next week as i said we push started it for eight shows in a row Mm. (laughs) every time we stopped at a petrol station we had to roll start the thing out of there (laughs) Far and out, it wasn't man. a small van. It was a like it was a fifteen seat minibus. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> we're push starting it out of little little country town <laughs> petrol stations. So you know oh, that on top of the fact we've just blown all this money on this you know lemon of a van. Yeah, we've just lost a ton of money from not playing shows. Mm. And when you're not playing shows, you're living in hotels, you're eating at restaurants or pubs or yeah, it's not cheap, man. You, you don't get breakfast or lunch or dinner. No. At home, you're eating out every every meal. So exactly. we spent, you know, we were expecting to make X amount of money and we ended up spending everything we had before the first show. Yeah, right. And it was it was a struggle from there. Like every every cent we made was like, well, this is the money we have. Like, yeah, you know, our, our credit cards were maxed before the tour started. Like it was, it was insanity. Man, and that's full on, dude. Yeah. So we got through the shows and yeah. it was... Almost like when those shows got cancelled, 
the agency didn't care anymore. They were just right. like, well, this is a disaster, you know, let's cut our losses and not worry anymore. Yeah, yeah. Because we were expecting more shows. Like, we were expect- we were promised support tours and stuff like that. Mm. And then they just didn't answer emails and didn't answer calls. And yeah. we went and, like, we're, <laughs> we've we just moved over there. We're, we're here for six months to a, to a year. That's what we're, That was our plan. Yeah. And so we started booking our own shows. We were just like, we need, we need gigs. We, yeah. we just started ringing bands and... We booked another tour around the UK. We booked six or seven German shows. Yeah. And, you know, a lot less money, but at least we're playing. At least we're selling this giant pile of merch we just bought over. Sure. Because we're about to play for a year. <laughs> We've done yeah. 11 shows. So yeah, yeah. let's just start selling some of it. And they didn't really like that because, you know, it's their job to book the gigs. Why are you booking your gigs? You know. But they, they're well, the ones who mishandled it. Exactly. But, you know, they're... They're getting their orders from the label. The label wants us doing big shows. We're like, we need shows, whether they're big or small. We need to play. Yeah. So we were just, they expecting you to just go out and get day jobs while you were over there or something? Well, like, that's the thing. They the label was expecting us to do you know three months straight of touring of nonstop gigs, you know, six nights a week. Yeah. And the agency, after the cancelled shows, just didn't bother. They mm. just went, that's it, no more. Like, oh, not our problem. Man. So yeah, we, we we booked another probably fifteen shows by ourselves. Yep. And we again we did Hard Rock Hell in two thousand. We've done it every second year because Hard Rock Hell is awesome. Yes. So we did it again in twenty sixteen. Um, and then yeah, it just was like this. We've had enough. Like, we we were exhausted. We you know the band was fighting not because of any other thing other than it's madness. Like the shitty situation. What are we you're doing to ourselves? In, yeah. we're, we're ruining ourselves. So we went yeah. there. We went there and we crowdfunded you know, $15,000 from our fans and friends and everything and came yeah. back came back two months later with our, you know, tails between our legs. Yeah. You know, it was pretty pretty soul-destroying, to be honest. And yeah, that was right. when, you know, the la- the agency dropped us. That was, they'd, they'd had enough of us. Yeah, um, yeah. And the label, the label we were still technically signed, but we had a feeling they were going to drop us and we had the option to leave. So it was kind of a mutual, let's just, cut our losses on both sides sure and leave so yeah right yeah and um and so this was like the middle of 2016 this was uh the end october november so oh, 2016 yeah yeah and um where did the band go in in 2017 did, did you guys have a lineup change yeah we did well, i mean the band technically like we were ready to break up like right. it was it was done <laughs> and um we came back and i, I just i booked recording time and I was going to start something new, just whatever. Yeah. And then I, I rang Jared and, and Brendan and said, look, you know, at that time, Aiden didn't want to do it anymore. So, Aiden, Aiden had jumped ship. and So, the Lagudas weren't in the band at this point. So, you know, yeah. So, Ben had, ben had, had to had to have a couple of months off. Mm-hmm. He was just, he was, you know, lost in the world. Yeah. Um, and Aaron Aaron was never going to be a, a touring musician Right. After the first one, he's he's had a few you know stints in rehab, and he's had he's had a bit of a hard time. He's he's better now, which is great for him. Oh, that's good. Um, so yeah, uh, we had Brendan Forward jump in in 2016. Yeah, and then a little bit of 2017, and yeah, I just recorded. I, I booked recording time to do something different. Mm. Um, and then I decided stuff it. Like I, I actually got a couple of offers for festivals for massive, uh, yeah, for massive in the summertime in Europe and I'm just like we don't have an agent we don't have a label yeah we're gonna go to us you know eight months after we've just blown up 
with nothing. So I booked some recording time. Yeah. And then I, I just rang Jared and Brendan and said, let's record a single. Yeah. So we've got a reason to go over. Yeah. Um, and then at the same time, we got the Living Colour tour right. in Australia. Yeah. We got offered that, which was really cool. Nice. But then- Was uh, that through Premiere or? No. Nah, see, that, that's this is where we, we went wrong. At that time, we decided to cut everybody out. This was our gig. And we um we just- pitched it to everybody so we we sent you know the single and a press kit to promotion companies um ah. zachariah promotions was the guy it was the company that brought out living color yeah and we'd spoken to them before about getting a support with somebody else and it didn't happen or whatever yeah. and we just we just said straight out like you know we've just toured a lot we've had the cover of classic rock magazine we've sold x amount of cds we can bring people yeah we want to tour while we're here and he goes well, we've got living color for for five dates if you want it <laughs> sure absolutely excellent yeah so yeah. The, well, it's good that you had that ammunition to put in the email well exactly so that's mm. that's the thing you know those sort of promoters don't care what you sound like they care how big of a profile you can be for them sort of mm. thing so mm. which is strange because you're the support band yeah but you know if they're going to be putting someone out there if they can bring 30 extra people that's money for them sort of thing oh yeah but most bands if you're supporting a big band they'd be like guys we're supporting living color exactly yeah you know what i mean but at the same time like you said they they don't want to just book a band that hasn't even done a show yet exactly yeah you know it's it's a it's a juggling act they they have their processes and if you know Mm. how to to win them over then it's it's easy for you kind of thing so Mm. Yeah, so we got did the, that? we got the Living Color, and we got we had like Rambling Man Fair offered to us in the UK, which had ZZ Top and Extreme headlining it, right? And at an open air festival, thirty thousand people, and we got offered it, and we're like, we have to do this. We're yeah. we're mad if we don't do it. And at the same time, Brendan, who was playing guitar, um, he got offered to <laughs> he had an offer to fill in for the Screaming Jets right. on guitar. We, yeah. we toured with them a few times as well. Yeah, and um. He he kind of just went. Look, you know, I can't afford to go over and lose all my money again. Yeah, right. I've got a I've got a, a gig playing with in the Screaming Jets. You know, who's going to be the guitarist in the Screaming Jets for a handful of gigs? He's like, I have to do that. Yeah. So it was it was a shame, but we're like, all right, go for it. Mm. And we just called Ben Laguda up and and said, Hey, man, are you not in jail? <laughs> and he he went, Well, I'm meant to be going to jail soon, but. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I can do some gigs. So yeah, right. he he came and did Living Color and nailed it, man. He was he was back to himself. It was great. Yeah, yeah. He was like he had eight months or ten months out of the band. Yeah, and straight back in, he was a changed man. Like he was wow, he was cool. better. He was good. Yeah, yeah. So it, it worked out well. But yeah, that that 2016 tour destroyed the band. Mm. Um, and we we pretty much either you know, got fired by agencies or left agencies. There was no point in having premiere book of shows because they, to be honest, they never did. Yeah, <laughs> they booked right. us headline shows. Every other show we've ever got was us. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. And so did you go up and do the, the open air festival in, in the Europe? Yeah, we did 30 shows around it. We got a couple of extra festivals in the way. Nice. Um, And we had no agency. So we just emailed people and... Booked our own tour. Went to Spain for the first time. Nailed nice, it. Nice, yeah. Did some shows in Germany, in Belgium. Nailed it. Did did a headline tour. Our first proper headline tour that wasn't a disaster yeah. in the UK. And and crowds were there. Every night was was busy. Every night was full. Like, nice. And this is this is just guys from Australia booking their own shows. Not even 
not even having a contact on the ground to make sure there's posters at the gigs or anything like that. We just did it ourselves, and wow, you know, it helped that we'd already had the profile from the before. But Previous two albums, it, yeah. It just it was like it was like almost proof that you know what you don't need some big guy with a big promise if you if you can just work hard at it and figure it out yourself. Like it's mm. not it's not a hidden secret. It's there. Well, yeah, but you couldn't have done that that first time. That first tour, if you didn't have that record label Absolutely support, not, yeah. There wouldn't be no one at the shows. But because you had that previous, you, you still had those um, uh, those fans that were like, oh, we'll come out and see Massive again. Exactly, yeah. yeah and and cool thing. We had and that I'm launch. I'm assuming that, um, that Hard Rock Hell gig would definitely bring more eyes on, on to, to you guys as well. Yeah, it's a very, it's pretty prestigious. Like the people that go mm. there, you know, it, it's not a huge festival. I think it's like eight thousand or something like that. But that's still huge in comparison huge, to yeah, in comparison man. to Australia. That's huge. But um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, that in itself is is pretty prestigious, and it helps you heaps over there. Like every every band that ends up on a stage there mm. is set for a while, sort of thing. So yeah. And so tell us how it came to be that you you did these shows, and then now you're actually. A German citizen. You're living in yeah. Germany. How did, Funny, all, that how did all that happen? Well, uh, remember how I said we had 10 shows cancelled? Yes. Yes. Uh, well, I, I downloaded Tinder. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> what else do you do in Germany? Yeah, right. You know, I met a girl and now she's the mother of my child. Fantastic. Congratulations, <laughs> Thanks, man. mate. Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, it, was a, it was a nice, you know... A good thing coming out of a bad situation, you know. Yeah, yeah. We had a lot of time on our hands now that we have no gigs, so you know, yeah. went on a date and met a girl, and yeah, it, it was good. You know, the plan was always to go there and, and be there. Yeah. So now I now I can't leave. <laughs> and so that was two years ago, and and now you have a a, um, a young lad. Yes. Um, and so your your wife wife sorry or partner uh, partner still partner, give, us, yeah. give us time man that's all right your partner and baby are, are over in Germany at the moment <laughs> no no they're here actually. oh they're here we, oh, you we brought them over, over here. for Christmas yeah oh fantastic yeah. so they got to meet the whole crew and yeah, everything yeah that's good oh wonderful yeah yeah and um and you've got a new record tell us about that yeah so we started writing it on that on that 2016 tour yeah um. It's called Rebuild Destroy. Mm-hmm. Pretty pretty fitting considering the, the band disintegrating <laughs> and then, you know, you rebuild it to destroy rebuild, it. Yeah, let's yeah. do it again. <laughs> nice, nice, yeah. Um, yeah, we just, it was just a process of, you know, weeding out the problems. Yeah. And, you know, when you go through a crap situation like that, you know, the only sort of meditation for musicians is write music sort of thing. Right, yeah, yeah. So it was, you know, the songs we wrote and this was, you know, the next you know the next thing we're going to do is record so yeah yeah you know we saved up the, we actually on that tour the tour we booked ourselves we actually made money for the first time nice on an international tour we made money it was great like yeah we we got past without too many issues we we sold all the merch we had and we came home with a bit of money and we we're just like well let's spend it you know yeah nice we, one we didn't have the label handing us $15,000 so we didn't we didn't go back to light hill cuz we just couldn't afford it sure but we we called up an old high school mate, Chris Thamalco, who runs Monolith Studios, mm-hmm. not far from here actually, in Thomastown. Oh, right on. Yeah, and just you know, he's done a few you know metal albums, done a few rock and roll albums, Dangerous yeah. Curves and stuff like that. Oh yeah, yeah. And just nailed it out, man. And he's we we went to Color Sound to do the drums. Sure. And then just went into his backyard and into his back room and just did it easy. Just did it without any any pressure of a label or, or a mm. management or a you know a. Timeline. We just went in and recorded. It was great. Yeah, nice one. Yeah, yeah. I had to listen to it this afternoon. Oh, did um, you get the copy? I did, mate. Yeah, that was very, very, very cool. Um, 
the track that stood out to me was Bullet. I really dug the way that kind of came, comes in um, and kind of crescendos. It's a very cool track. Is that going to be one of the singles, or do you know what's going to be a single yet? Or? Yeah, well, actually, we've it, it should be a single. We've started filming a video clip for it. Um, for, for Bullet. For Bullet, oh, yeah. I called it. Yeah, he did. Um, <laughs> nice. it, the, the video clip's half finished. Um, we started filming it over, over in... Where were we? We were in the UK somewhere. Yeah, nice. Um, and it, it, we just ran out of time. We had one day off in the UK and we filmed a video clip on it. So yeah. it's half finished. Um, so we had to release another single, um, which comes out on Monday, actually. Oh, so nice. it'll be out by the time this podcast comes out. And what's, this, uh, what's that one called? Long Time Coming. Long Time Coming. All right. So, well, that leads me to my question. Um, and that is prior to... Um, people listening to this interview, I do a bit of a little bit of an intro, and during the intro, I'll play like a thirty or forty-five second snippet of the artist who they're about to hear, so that there's a bit of context. Yeah, cool. So, um, is is it okay if I play a bit of that? Yeah, absolutely, mate. Fantastic, of course. So we'll have heard um, "Long Time Coming," yeah, beautiful, um, by Massive before this um, before this interview, um, and that will be the the lead single. Yeah, we we for did Rebuild a destroy. We we did um we released a a lyric video which wasn't actually a single. We just mm-hmm. put it out just so we had something to tour this year sort of thing. Yes. And, um, yeah, that'll be the single that comes out. Um, we've got PR overseas. Yeah. Um, it'll, it's, it's picked up on Planet Rock Radio over there. So it's all, it's all going, you know, Millhouse over there. It's great. Um, pushing it out over here, we're doing it ourselves. So yes. it's a bit different. But, you know, it, it's, you know, it is Australia. So we, you know, we've got our friends, we've got our fans. We're not going to take over the world in Australia anytime soon. So yeah, right, it's more right. about just getting it out and, and being happy with the product sort of thing, I guess. Yeah, nice. Um, and so you've got, we mentioned that you're doing the reunion show, which we'll have already done uh, uh, by the time this episode drops with Fast Track. But you will, um, if you're listening to this um, before the end of January, you do have an opportunity to see Massive before they head back over to Germany. Yeah. Uh, Tell us about that. So it's January 27th. Uh, It's a long weekend. It's a Sunday. Yeah. We've got the Monday off, everyone. So Yeah, Royal Rumble on the Monday, Oh, beautiful, mate. (laughs) Kicking goals. (laughs) Yeah. And um, yeah, it's just, it's down at the Northcote Social. Um, yeah, who's playing with you? Uh, we've got Bottle of Smoke yeah, cool. and Moonshifter. So. Nice, nice. Uh, yeah, it's good, you know, good Melbourne lineup. And um, yeah. Yeah, we're just we're gonna play the album. Some of these songs we've never played before. We 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 road tested some of them, you know, in Europe, but in the studio. Like again, we didn't rehearse this album. We we went in the studio unfinished and and finished it in the studio. So some of these songs we've never played. Yeah, nice. Oh, that'll be cool. <laughs> yeah. Are you gonna actually? You're gonna like create a set list around the album, or are you gonna play the album from start to finish? We're probably gonna do it around the album. We're not gonna we're not gonna do start to finish just because yeah. you know. The last song on the album's a ballad. You don't want to finish on a ballad, yeah, sort of thing. right, right, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll make a set around the songs, and we'll play a few old songs as well to keep you know keep people happy. Ah, but nice one. It, nice it'll be one. all in there. Oh, that's cool, man. Um, and obviously, if people do want to follow uh, Massive um, on the internet, um, remember it is Massive Band Oz or Massive Oz. What what are the, what's Massive the Oz? Massive, Massive Oz. Oz. Massive Facebook Massive Oz. Everything Massive Oz. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah. If you want to follow Brad um, and e, the band, um, go and do that on um, Instagram and Facebook and, and YouTube, of course. Um, before we finish up, I did want to ask you one more thing, and that was. Uh, you live in Germany, but does everyone does everyone else still live in Melbourne? No, we're all all over the place. So, um, 
Ben lives here. We've got a bass player who lives in London and, and yeah. <laughs> we're all over, I'm in Germany. So it's all over the shop. Yeah, right. And um, yeah, we just, we, as I said, we don't rehearse. So it's it's fine by us. We we had three rehearsals before the tour this year. Yeah. We just did 52 shows across 11 countries. Just just yeah, right. before, you know, up until about three weeks ago. So Yeah, right. We, we went to some new places. We went to like Romania and Czech Republic and, and Hungary oh. and places we've never even imagined you know touring before yeah yeah so we had three rehearsals in london yeah. um and then we just drove our first show was in barcelona so we did 15 hours down to barcelona all right man and then and then yeah 52 shows almost within like 60 something days it was it was the biggest amount of shows we've ever done and yeah nice you know we did some big shows we we did a, like i think there's four or five festivals on there yeah and and again like the the uk shows were full like the spain spain shows out of we did 11 shows in spain and 10 of them were sold out basically wow so it, it was it was good we've we've we found our market in in some mm. areas some of the shows were crap we went to romania and we lost all our money. <laughs> like, yeah, right. We we didn't make any money. It's a it was and we got ripped off. So yeah, yeah. But for the most part, now when you book a show overseas, you you know that um, there's going to be people there. Yeah, and you're yeah. Be able to have a good time. We 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 know where we're where we're welcome. You know. Yeah. We we do well in Spain, uh, Spain, France, Germany, UK. That's that's the sort of rock scene anyway. Yeah. And then yeah. each year we just try and go somewhere else as well to try and you know build something. So nice one dude yeah cool well um yeah if you are listening to this overseas um please do yourself a favor and, and check out massive when when they're in your town or country mm-hmm. and um again um it's been so great to catch up with you dude it's been a while mate yeah it's, it's been, been a good. long time and um well yeah we'll definitely see you on the road absolutely man see you Sounds later good. dude rock and roll cheers Ciao. And that's a wrap, Sizzlers, episode 39, all done. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, give the podcast a share on social media. Use the hashtag Art of Touring Podcast on Instagram and give us a follow at Art of Touring Podcast. If you'd like to get in contact with me, please email me directly, artoftouringpodcast at gmail.com. Maybe you'd like to come on the show if you're a touring muso, a performer, a wrestler, hit me up or send me a DM on the Instagram. Someone messaged me uh, this week on the Facebook because uh, there's a Facebook page and someone found that, which I don't really promote, but there you go. Someone found it and messaged me and hopefully they will be on the, on the show very soon. So it does work. If you'd like to uh, be a, a guest, just message me, man. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can listen to Art of Touring on Wooshka and you can download it on iTunes. If you've enjoyed this episode or previous episodes of the podcast, please just take one moment. Do me a favor. Yeah. Give the podcast a rating. So just get out your phone, hit five stars, write a review, and then I'll see you back here next week for another episode free of charge every single Tuesday. All right. Now let's get into some plugs. The theme music for Art of Touring is a song called Start a Fire by The Pass Outs, which is available to stream on Spotify or download on iTunes. You can grab the whole debut album by The Pass Outs on all digital platforms. And if you'd like to grab a physical copy on either CD or glorious coloured vinyl or regular coloured vinyl, go to thepassoutsband.bandcamp.com where you can get all your merchandise, including T-shirts, stickers, posters and even skateboards. I had a bloke come up to me at the pub shake my hand it's like nice to meet you i'm like okay 
Nice to meet you too, brother. Later on, I found out he had a copy of my vinyl. And he's like, dude, love the vinyl, brother. How good is the vinyl? The uh, the censored version, hey? Take that sticker off. A little surprise. Uh, if you'd like to see me play live, I'm doing a bunch of cover shows at the moment. Uh, well, not a bunch. I've got two coming up. January, Friday the 18th at the Sporting Globe in Plenty Valley. I'll be there from 8pm to 11pm. Also, the same venue, Australia Day, Saturday the 26th of January. Um, come on down. You've got two chances in the next couple of weeks to uh, visit Sizdog at the Sporting Globe Friday the 18th of Jan and Saturday the 26th of Jan. So come on down and say g'day on Australia Day, mate. That's all from me this week. Before I go, I have a few shout-outs. Shout-out, as always, to Chris Wall, who designed the artwork for the show. You can follow him on Instagram, man, and do so. His artwork is ridiculous. At Mr. Wall, spelt W-A-H-L. Big thanks to my guest. Guest this week, Mr. Brad Ma from Massive. You can follow his band on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube using their handle Massive Oz. And don't forget, the lads are launching their brand new album on Sunday, the 27th of January at the Northcote Social Club with support from Bottle of Smoke and Moonshifter. Tickets are available now via the Eventbrite website. That's all from me this week. Thanks again for listening. Tune in next time for another episode of Art of Touring with the Sizdog. And remember, this week's podcast was brought to you by Globo Gym. Don't forget to attend our cellulite seminar today at 0800. Have you listened to many podcasts yeah, before? Yeah, of course, man. Okay, cool. I so. Um, who who do you listen to? Well, oh, I don't really listen to rock and roll ones, man. I usually listen to conspiracy theories ones, mate. That's my podcasts. Cons- con- <laughs> conspiracy, conspiracy theory podcast. Yeah. Which one? Uh, well, there's there's heaps on like the on the you know on Apple. Just just go for all the uh, all the classics, mate. You know you yeah. got to go the uh, the JFKs, the nine uh, elevens, the you know the Illuminatis. All those good. ones. You know when you're driving like twelve hours in a yeah, car yeah, and you yeah. listen to music for twelve hours, it's easy to fall asleep. But if you put a conspiracy theory on. Two hours gone on your trip. No worries. No problem. That's how you do it. Have you got a specific <laughs> post that does the... No, nah, no. Nah, I just go on and, and go through them all, mate. I find I find ah. one that's about an hour long and about 90 minutes long. That's long enough. And you just stick it on and zone right into it. It's right good. into it. Yeah.